From the EPR Creation Studio, this is Jason Staples bringing you the Unconquered Podcast, talking about the spring game, doing a spring game preview. This podcast, as always, brought to you by EPR Creations, bringing you the best of internet marketing and website development for an affordable price. Also by Luis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, and Shenandoah Newsma of ShenRealEstate.com in the Research Triangle. And Garage Makeovers, the number one garage remodeling company in South Florida. Like I said, we're doing a little bit of a spring game preview. Uh, haven't been doing a whole lot in terms of, you know, practice analysis or anything like that, or, or, or you know, weekly updates during the uh, during the spring. But we're now getting to a point where everybody's going to be able to see a lot. Something that sort of looks a, a little bit like a, a football game on on Saturday, and so we're gonna. It's worth talking about what to expect in that, what to watch for, and then, uh, or at least what I'm going to be watching, and then uh, how to how we're going to evaluate that coming out. So, just uh, going to go through a few things that I'm looking at, and and in the process, talk a little bit about some of the things that uh, that seem to have come out of spring so far. So, in terms of things to watch, uh, a lot of this is is geared on my end by, or is controlled on my end by. What I think the the concerns, what I think the strengths and weaknesses, or strengths and concerns of this team are going into uh, into the fall. So, I, I think as I look at this team, you can you can see where some clear strengths lie, and and I think I think we know where a lot of those things are at this point. Now, the thing is, it's kind of crazy because those strengths are not all where they have been in recent years, and. Specifically, their their strengths where there've been some weaknesses in recent years. Uh, most specifically, I, I think this team is is obviously you've got Jordan Travis returning as a legitimate Heisman Trophy candidate. Uh, I wouldn't put him as a front runner, but a guy that's that's in the discussion and could find himself with a with a great season could find himself in New York. You've got a, a, a lot of strength there. You've got uh, you've got a major playmaker at wide receiver. You've got a stud at running back, and then this could be a top five or so offensive line, not only in the ACC, but in the country. You're looking at, at an offensive line with quality and depth for the first time in a really, really long time. And so you look offensively and you go, you know, there's a lot of strengths there. And then, you know, you've got Jaheim Bell at tight end, who was a, a dynamic player in the SEC last year. So you you know where you've got some strengths, but then you, you you look at it and you go, okay, well, you lost a really important piece in Pokey Wilson. You lost a really important piece, uh, at least for the spring, with Micah Pittman, and it's not clear whether he's going to be back for the fall, and if he is back, whether he's going to be back at a point where he's really able to to contribute for you, whether whether he's actually going to have to just sit out. And you know, those are two key pieces last year. I mean. Johnny Wilson was the sort of the the straw that stirred the drink for for Florida State on the edge last year, where teams had to know where he was at all times because of his his being a, a matchup mismatch. But you know he, he's a matchup problem. But when it came down to it, you look at who made many of the biggest plays of the season last year at wide receiver. It was Pokey Wilson you know, from the from the one handed catch for a touchdown to to really put Florida State in the driver's seat in the, in the game one against LSU to several other just huge plays down the field 
in in big games. He was the guy that that, and he did it really for a couple of years. Where in big games when they needed a big play, that guy kept making big plays downfield, and he's a guy that could run by people. You know, he he was a, just a really smooth, fast guy that that just kept finding ways to get over the top. How do you replace that? Who's going to be the guy that replaces that? And then Micah Pittman last year not only solved the the, the punt return issue for you that had been an, an issue for a decade, but he also brought an edge to the wide receiver position as a whole with his selfless blocking, just the way that he played the game and the versatility, the way that they were able to use him on a lot of short stuff and then... Uh, he made some really important key third down type things. He was a reliable option over and over and over again in the slot. And, and the toughness that he brought, again, you got to find a way to to handle that, to, to kind of replace that a little bit. So one of the first places that I'm looking at when I'm with, and watching with interest, when I'm watching the spring game, knowing where the strengths are, you, you know what you got in Jordan Travis, you know what you got in Trey Benson, you know you've got some quality at the offensive line, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But I, I want to see who who's going to be the second and third wide receivers on this team. And, you know, last year they thought before the, the car accident, they thought, you know, Winston Wright might be the number two, uh, probably, probably playing mostly out of the slot, but they thought he might be the number two coming out. Some thought he would be the number one. Uh, and then, of course, the the – the car accident really, really changed that. It's a serious injury that could have cost him his career, could have cost him a limb. So, you know, the question is, I want to see what he looks like. I want to see what he looks like in the slot. Is he a guy that just steps forward and naturally becomes, okay, well, there, there you go. You got your number two behind, you know, behind Johnny Wilson. Is that what, what you got there? Or are you looking at him as a nice piece, but, you know, maybe not there? And, and and to be totally honest, I mean, you go back and listen to my scouting report about him coming out. I was always a little bit more of a pump the brakes on some of the hyperbole about him when they first signed him. I mean, he was a good player, but not a great player at West Virginia. Uh, you know, had some limitations, but a really good player. So a guy that a guy that can do things for you, especially out of the slot slot position, but not nearly as fast, for example, in, in vertical speed as a, as a lot of fans seem to think. Uh, you know, it's like oh, he's state champion in in uh, in the hundred meters from the state of Georgia. Well, not exactly. He was state champ in a a much lower division, it was a, a specific school division in in the state of Georgia. Where you know he ran, he ran a good a good time, but it was over eleven seconds. So, you know, not one of those guys that's running ten five, you know, ten six in the in the in the uh, in the hundred meters. So that and that was before he he got hurt. So good speed, not elite speed, strong body, and I think he got stronger in his upper body. You can see that uh, during the during the rehab process. I want to see what he looks like though. I want to see what he looks like post injury. Is he going to step forward and, and be able to be that guy that can that can kind of control that slot position with Micah Pittman out? And if Pittman gets back, is he a guy that basically splits time there and, and, and can really be a playmaker in that spot rather than just a guy? And then the other thing is, you know, who's going to be who's going to be the number two outside receiver? You know, maybe Wright plays some outside, maybe, but you know, the guy that that, that has been the most consistent. Aside from Johnny Wilson, so far this spring is Kentron Portier. And, 
you know, I want to see like is he is he really at a point where you're comfortable with him being a, being the number two on a top ten offense? Is that is that where you is that, is that what you what are you comfortable with that? Obviously, Darian Wilson, Williamson hasn't been out there, and you know he's he's been he's been injured a lot at Florida State, and availability is the most important ability, and we won't get to really see him at this point, but you know they they'll know they'll have a better sense of where he's going to be coming into the fall. But you got to assess what's what the situation is at wide receiver other than Johnny Wilson, and I, I think this position is I think less settled than it was last year. And obviously, you've got some other bodies with some significant talent. I mean, Ja'Kai Douglas can give you a, a big play threat at the slot receiver position, especially. Can play a little bit outside. And again, he's a run-by threat. You know, 10-9, 10-8-5 type 100-meter guy. So, you know, can run. But, you know, what about Vandravius uh, Jacobs? You know, he's a guy that came in more ready to play, more polished coming out than Hakeem Williams. So, you know, is he a guy that's going to push to be an early, you know, a day one wide receiver option? And if so, is it because he's actually that good or is it because they, they need it or some combination thereof? Uh, and of course, I mentioned Hakeem Williams. I want to see what he looks like out there. And, you know, he's a guy that's it's been a bigger adjustment for him. He didn't play the best level of competition uh, in in high school and could basically rest on being bigger, faster, and stronger than everybody you went against. And, and again, was not really always playing wide receiver in high school either. I mean, he was a guy that uh, was an athlete for that high school team because they, they didn't have a quarterback that could really reliably get the ball to him. So all the traits and tools that he's got, they're there, but it's going to take some time. And, and you know, I thought Maybe he'd be a he'd be he'd take a, a little bit, and I think this spring it's been it's been there's been some indications that you know maybe you're looking at 2024 as really when you'd expect him to break out, which is pretty standard for a five star wide receiver. I mean we've talked about this a lot on this show for for years. Uh, usually takes wide receivers a long time, and then of course you've got Deuce Span, and you know when they signed Deuce uh, as a as a transfer. You guys will remember, I, I said, look, this guy has the traits. He's got all the traits that you want to potentially be an NFL wide receiver, to be a guy that's you know a reasonably high draft pick, but super raw. H- how far has he come? I want to see that. And I want to see it with, you know, I'm not going to have the lights on, but I want to see it in Doe Campbell. I want to see it with the cameras rolling. I want to see what he's able to do. Is he is he taking a step forward? compared to last year is he ready to shoulder a little bit more of the uh of the load because again traits wise if you look at this roster and you say oh yeah you know we he he's he's taken that step forward he could get on the field as a as a as an option at that outside receiver opposite Johnny Wilson all of a sudden you got another guy that can just run right by people with size so I'm really interested to see what's going to happen at the wide receiver position what they're going to look like in this, and then you know, to go with that, I want to see Jaheim Bell and, and Kyle Morlock. Morlock, looking at practice stuff, I mean, Morlock moves way better than I thought he would. He he is a he looks in many cases he's he's slim enough, sort of carries his weight slim enough that he looks more like a big wide receiver 
than I expected him to. I mean, there are times where, you know, he, going through drills and I have to double check my roster. It's like, wait, who's 84? Wait, that's Morlock? Wow. Wow, he moves well. Really moves fluidly for a guy his size. And, you know, I'm curious to see, is he able to to really do that again with more live rounds going off around him in the spring game? Because they already got Marquise and Douglas. They already got, they, they know what they have kind of in, at other spots and in terms of blocking and all of that. But, you know, is he, is he really going to be that, that option along with Jaheim Bell, who's the other guy that I think really interesting thing this year, you know, last year they, they, they kind of defaulted to 11 personnel most of the time. So, you know, one, one back, one tight end where the slot receiver with Micah Pittman was the, was, was really where they, they got a lot of versatility. You know, is that is that that versatility going to come primarily from Jaheim Bell this year, where they go a little bigger personnel, which really is what I think Mike Norvell would want to do. Yeah, I think if you asked Mike Norvell kind of his ideal offensively, he'd want really two outstanding vertical receivers on the outside, and then that inside piece to be kind of a bigger body who can you know, serve as a little bit of a running back when he needs to, can be a slot receiver when you want it, and can be an H-back when you want it, and can kind of do all of the above. And, and he can move that guy around and cause problems matchup-wise with the same personnel. I think that's what you'd, what you'd want from him. Or that's, that's what he'd want in his offense. And that's what you're going to get with Jaheim Bell. That, that's, that's his role. That's what, what he can do. So, you know, if you're not as... as as sold on having really three dynamic wide receivers, maybe you go with more two tight looks. You put, you know, one big tight end out there, one bigger tight end, maybe Morlock or Douglas out there. And then you have Bell as the other option who then becomes kind of your slot receiver when you, when, when you want it. He becomes an H-back when you want it. He, you can line him up on the line of scrimmage as, as a tight end if you want it. There's a lot of things you can do with him. I want to see what they're doing with him. So, so that's, that's another thing that I w- I'm, I'm looking closely at as we, as we go through. Um, the other thing, sort of flipping over to the other side of the ball, as we're looking sort of at the skill, skill guys, <sighs> I want to see what the what I want to see what Fentrell Cypress looks like in this defense. You know, Virginia, he was he was all ACC at Virginia, but Virginia played a very different kind of defense from what they're going to ask him to do at Florida State. And you know, if you're going down the list, I mean, we talked about this last year. If you're going down the list of what the weaknesses of last year's Florida State team were, it was Really, number two corner, uh, nickel corner. Sometimes, you know, they they were kind of inconsistent at that nickel corner spot. And then once the injuries kind of kicked in, it was defensive tackle. So essentially, you had your second corner and defensive tackle depth were the biggest problems that they had on last year's roster. Well, they went out and you know took care of those to a large extent with with the transfer portal. And that's kind of what I want to see. How, how, much, how much have they actually gotten it to where is that still going to be something that's a little bit of a concern, a little bit of a weakness, a, a weaker area that, that you're worried about? Or 
have they solidified it where your second corner, and you know, I do think at this point, Cypress, I think of him as a second corner, not as your number one corner, because I think, I think Renardo Green's pretty dang good. I mean, I think he's an NFL corner, uh, maybe not a high draft pick type, but I think he's an NFL corner, and certainly the way that he's played this spring has not uh, suggested anything otherwise. So you look at what you have on that other side, and I think you've got a guy that can compete to be an all-ACC, you know, to make one of the all-ACC teams in green in terms of what they do with, on, on this defense. You got that already. The question is, can you get a guy that plays at that level on the opposite side? And all of a sudden, if you have bookend corners, you've got both guys that you can trust like that, that radically changes your defense. And that's what you're, you're hoping to get from Cyprus. That's, that's really what you want. And, of course, AZ Thomas is another guy who has the talent to be that dude. But, you know, he's been kind of quiet this spring. And, you know, talent-wise, you, you'd hope that he would step up and, and maybe seize that job or, or demand to split reps somewhere. I want to see where he's at. Obviously, you kind of know what you got in Jerry and Jones, who, you know, became more consistent last year as he got healthier. Became a pretty solid option. but you know, not a, not a next level, you know, matchup eraser type guy. So, so I want to see though, you know, there's going to be a lot of competition at the wide receiver and corner positions, and I'm going to be looking closely at what's going on there. I also want to take a look at, is there any improvement in terms of, in terms of, of cornerback technique and just the way that they play their assignments with the coaching change there? I want to see if there's anything noticeable at that spot, because I, I did think at times the corners were not were not quite as well coached as I would have liked to see the last couple of years, you know, in terms of on-field coaching. Uh, you know, obviously the nickel corner, Greedy Vance, has kind of stepped up and, and seems to have taken that job from, from Kevin Knowles. I want to see what that looks like. Uh, but an even bigger concern now, so last year, you, th- this was one of your strengths. This year, you, this is one of the biggest concerns you kind of have shored up personnel-wise the, the big problems from last year, but you, you, you've got one spot where you're just not sure what you got, and that's at safety. You know, last year, Dent was pretty good most of the year, but you had, a, you know, you had an elite guy in uh, Jamie Robinson. So you felt really good about safety. <sighs> Who's going to be the number two safety? And is Dent going to be the guy? Is, is he going to take one more step forward? You know, he had some mistakes late last year that were costly is he going to be is he going to take one more step forward and then you you just got to find number two and ideally you want four safeties that you can trust because you're going to get those guys on the field in dime situations and and other things sometimes you want a guy that can move closer to the line of scrimmage different things you can do who's going to be the the, the the number two guy you know Travis Jay I'm told has had as good a camp as, as he could have uh I'm ready to be hurt there again. You know, he's a guy that just talent-wise you look at and you go, man, if it all if it ever all comes together, that guy could be great. Is 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 that going to happen? Is he going to be that guy? I'm going to be watching Travis J quite a bit. You know, when I go through the replay, you know, however many times I go through it this offseason, you can bet that I'll I'll go through and and watch basically every Travis J rep multiple times cuz I'm I'm hoping, you know, there's hope that you know, he becomes that kind of guy. 
Uh, Shaheen Brown, you know, is he ready to step forward and take Jamie Robinson's role? He didn't. He was not ready late last year when he had to step in at times, made some mistakes. Is he? Is he going to take that step forward to be that guy? If those two guys take care of business, then you you feel comfortable about it. But we don't know. And then of course you got Duke Cooper, Omarion Cooper moving from moving to safety from corner, which makes sense. There were times at corner last year where he just didn't look explosive enough, and that was the concern. When, you know, as a freshman, there were, you know, he played well as a freshman, but there were moments where you could see him kind of get run by at times when he was in one-on-one situations. You wonder, like, is he going to be better off, you know, playing at the safety spot where he can use a little bit of that size a little bit differently? Um, you know, he's a guy that I want to see what he looks like at, at the safety position. I want to see the young guys. I want to see Kenton Kirk- Kirkland. I want to see uh, Quindarius Jones. You know, th- I'm, I'm curious to see what those guys are going to look like in this defense, because they're going to need to find, like I said, they're going to need to find not only a second safety that's reliable, but they really need to find a third and a fourth that you that you feel comfortable with. And that, that to me, is the biggest question mark on the defense. And then, you know, on the defensive line, you know, that's where we're going to see a lot of interesting stuff just in terms of who's going to demand the reps. There's a lot of depth inside. You look at Daryl Jackson, you look at Fabian Lovett, AOT Fase, Dennis Briggs, Joshua Farmers had a, a great camp. Uh, Daniel Lyons has had a really good camp. You know, I want to see Antavius Woody. What does he look like at that spot? I, I want to see those guys. I want to see, you know, is this a situation where with the, the transfer out of uh, McClendon, you're going to see Briggs be able to pop outside sometimes if you need it? You know, it, that that's something that, that, just depending on who sticks out at the defensive tackle spot and how, I think that that's really important. And especially in the depth situation, you don't want to get into a position like they had last year where when one and one and two went down at the defensive tackle spots or any time they were on the sideline, the defense was completely different. They've got to have at least a two deep. And ideally, you want three at each spot that you can trust are going to play at a above average ACC level or better. And I think they, they're, I think they're going to have that. The question is just, where's it going to come from? And, you know, where do these guys fall in that list? And of course that brings us then to the other defensive line spot, Gilbert Edmond. And, you know, looking at him as the, as now the, the prohibitive favorite to start at the Fox position with uh, uh, Derek McClendon having, having, uh, transferred out, and honestly, the reason McClendon transferred out is that Edmund was better than him. Well, I want to see it. I want to see what he looks like in this defense in that role. I want to see what Byron Turner, who's not been able to stay healthy so far, I want to see what he looks like when he's out there. Those are the the main ones. I mean, I, I have a pretty good sense of what uh, Patrick Payton and and Jared Verse are going to be. So I'm going to focus my attention elsewhere when when those guys are out. And and of course, you know, interested to see. Brendan Gant, you know, he's been playing some in the in the uh, stud role, you know, playing some some of that kind of big nickel. What's going to happen with him there? What's going to happen with the with the young guys? DeMarco Ward, there's been really good uh, feedback about him as an early enrollee. Omar Graham continues to develop as backup backers. You, you kind of know what you got in your starters. I hope we don't see much of Deloach and, and Tatum Bethune out there, honestly. I want to see the young guys and see what they look like. That's what that that's what this game is for. And 
you know, you've got to have a little more, a little better depth at that position than they had last year. Again, so much of this spring, I've talked about it, is about raising that depth aspect so that you can you can withstand the natural attrition week to week that's going to happen during the season without costing you a game. And then that finally kind of brings us. Well, I guess it's not finally. I've got a couple more I want to look at. I want to. I want to see where different guys are going to line up on the offensive line. And and I think this is going to be one where we're going to see guys playing different positions at different points on the offensive line. And I want to see where they look best because offensively, this is going to be really interesting. And you know, I've got some questions. I'm gonna I'm gonna do more of a question and answer uh, podcast after the the spring game. But, you know, some of the questions that I've gotten are, you know, how do you see the, the offensive line shaking out? Like, who's going to be where? What do you, who do you think is going to start? Who's going to be in the, in the backup roles and where? And I think it's too early to know right now because, and this is the luxury that they're in, they've got so many quality bodies that really is a matter of, like, getting not only your best five on the, on the field, but your best five in their best positions so that you're consistently in a, in a good spot. You know what? What what I think I know so far. If I if I had to sort of put put this this out there in terms of what I, if I was going to guess sort of how certain things are going to shake out, I would guess that as long as Robert Scott gets healthy, healthy enough, uh, you know, going into the fall, Robert Scott's going to be one of the starters, and then Jeremiah Byers is going to be one of the starters. Casey Roddick is going to be one of the starters. And Bless Harris is going to be one of the starters. I think those four, you're pretty confident, are going to be on the field. But the question is where? Now, if Byers, Scott, and Harris are all on the field together, then Byers is going to slide inside to guard. So that that takes one of those guards, and then you got both tackles. And you feel really good about that, because Bless Harris has looked really good. Now, maybe I'm wrong, and maybe, maybe uh, Harris is not starting at, at, at the tackle spot and, and Byers takes that spot. Maybe. Or, you know, if Robert Scott is, is not fully healthy enough in a given week, you've got Byers and Harris on the field and, you know, you've got a different three on the interior. Maybe. But if I had to guess, I would say Scott, just going into the spring game, and again, this is what I want to see. I want to assess my own sort of priors here. I would guess that Scott, Roddick, Byers, and, and Harris are going to be four starters. And then you've got to figure out who the fifth one's going to be. So if that's Maurice Smith, then Roddick's going to be at one of the guards. So then you, got, then you go Scott, Roddick, Smith, Byers, Harris. But I think, you know, if you had your druthers, Roddick gets the snapping down well enough that you're really confident there. And then you have him at, at center. And then there's a battle for that guard spot with Maurice Smith sort of as the backup center. If that's the case, then you've got a battle for that other guard spot. And at that point, you know, is it Demetri Emanuel? Is it Keandre Jones? I think Darius Washington's your likely swing guy as a backup there. But that's kind of where you're at. I think it's it's essentially essentially a battle between Keandre Jones, Maurice Smith, and Demetri Emanuel for the fifth starting spot on the offensive line. And I'm going to be paying really close attention 
in particular to Keandre Jones and Casey Roddick, just to sort of see, especially when Roddick's at, say, at center, what does he look like? See, does he look like an upgrade over Smith at center? How well is Jones moving? Is, does, he, does it look like he really belongs as, a, as that fifth starter? Do you feel more comfortable with him than you do with, say, Emmanuel? Or do you feel more comfortable with Keandre Jones at, at guard than, than, and Roddick at center than Roddick at guard and, and Maurice Smith at center? That's the question. Now, the thing is, when you've got this kind of depth, you, you feel pretty good about sometimes going out there where you rotate a guy out and you say, okay, well, this, this, this drive, we're going to rotate Smith out at center, even if he was the starter. Roddick's going to slide over, and then Keandre Jones is going to come in because we want to mash. You know, just try to pound the football. Maybe you do that some. Maybe other times you go, you know what? We're going to go a little bigger, or we're going to go a little smaller. We're going to go, you know, Roddick at one, one guard and, and Emmanuel at the other. And Smith at center. There's some options here. Because I, I think you have 10 quality, above-average ACC-level players on the offensive line, which is... They've just not been there in uh, over a decade. I mean, got a question of whether or not this is, do I think this is going to be the best off FSU offensive line since 2013? And I would I actually think it's going to be a better offensive line than the 2013 line. I think just depth-wise, now see that, that 2013 offensive line had incredible injury luck. It was the same five guys that started the whole year. So in that sense, you know, we can't guarantee that. But if you're looking at, you know, the, the depth chart, I think going into the season, you take this offensive line over the 2013 offensive line, player for player, because you feel like, okay, if one of these guys goes down, you're better off with this, this, this set of guys than you had in 2013. So it kind of tells you where they're at there. So final couple things I'm looking at. It's a quarterback situation. It's not so much about Jordan Travis. You kind of know what you have there, and I don't expect him to play a lot. But I want to see... You know, how much is Brock Glenn pushing A.J. Duffy and Tate Rodemaker? And how much progress has Duffy in particular made? Because that, that's, that's going to be important. Again, it's about depth. Are you in a situation where if Jordan Travis misses a game next year, do you have a guy that can come in and, and, and win a game for you that you, feel is, that you feel really comfortable with in that spot? Now, of course, Rodemaker came in and did that against Louisville last year. So you've already, you already feel pretty good about that. Do one of the other guys represent an upgrade? Has Rodemaker made more strides? I want to see. The final thing is the the running back position. And and obviously with, with Treshawn Ward transferring out, really the, the, the question is who's going to be in that Ward role? Who's going to be the number two guy to Trey Benson? And I, I've been very clear since Ward transferred, I think that's going to be Rodney Hill. But then that opens up the door for the number three spot. And who's that going to be? Is that going to be C.J. Campbell? Is it going to be Keziah Holmes, Lawrence Toafili? And, you know, is Toafili going to be more of a slot in, in this offense? Is he going to line up outside a little more than, than in the running back, uh, running back uh, spot? And I think with Keziah Holmes around, maybe, maybe you get more ability to do that. Again, if you're not real comfortable that you've got the playmakers you want at wide receiver, Toafili can slide out there and you feel pretty good there. So, but I want to see, you know, really it's the, 
the third spot because I think Hill is a comfortable number two in my view. I think he's he's a better option for the number two than Toafili. I want to see that number three role. Who, who looks the best of the other three running backs, other three primary running backs? Kaziah Holmes, C.J. Campbell, and Toafili, who looks the best out of those guys to be that next guy? Really curious about that. And, and they're all three different, but I want to, wa- I want to see what, they, what, they, what they're able to do and how, much, how productive they're able to be come spring game. Those are the things that I'm paying the most attention to coming in. Not to belabor the point, but I've, I've talked plenty here. I think, uh, generally speaking, this show is more interesting when I get the chance to, uh, to evaluate what we've actually seen so that we can talk through analysis of you know, the plays and, and the players and, and, and do actual scouting, that sort of thing. And there's going to be plenty of that to come after the spring game. So, and, you know, I'll, I will stretch that stuff out in terms of uh, looking at each individual player and, and, and position group and all of that over the course of the, of the rest of the offseason. But that's the sort of thing you can do once you've got more footage, more, more game-style footage that you can, that you can leverage for that. So until then, let's go ahead and wrap here. I'll be back with a post-spring game evaluation and then a question and answer, question and response. I don't necessarily always have answers, but a question and response situation uh, after episode after that. So if you do have questions after the spring game, go ahead and get them in for that show. And then we will, uh, we're going to do again, some significant scouting stuff and, and try to get a, a handle on what to expect from this team over the course of the off season. So that'll do it for us here. This has been the unconquered podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. Now, before I get into the usual closing, uh, thanks to sponsors and Patreon patrons. Uh, I should mention that I have put the Patreon giving on hold the last couple months just because I have not been producing sufficient content to make that worthwhile for any of you. So, uh, you know, as a general rule, I've done that the last couple of years where if I'm not putting out content, I just go ahead and pause that. But thanks to all of you who continue to sponsor and to support. Uh, I'm very grateful for that. And hopefully here in the next couple of weeks, I will get back to putting out the kind of content that you all expect and are, uh, and are sponsoring. So thank you so much for that continued support. The Unconquered Podcast is brought to you by EPR Creations, Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, ShenRealEstate.com in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Garage Makeovers of Palm Beach in Broward County, and the Unconquered Podcast shop at UnconqueredPodcast.com, which features stickers, magnets, and other seminal gear. Thanks also to those supporters over at Patreon, where I post video analysis and field questions for the podcast from supporters. I'm especially grateful to those above the dynasty level, that is Andrew Garrett, Brian Leininger, Jonathan Kennedy, Lee Caswell, Travis Smith, Tyler Kashishki, Dave Blair, and Bert Bertoldi. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave a five-star rating over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, post us on social media, and tell a friend. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this.